All right. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode. This one is called Reject versus Reclaim. And some of the things we're going to be talking about are, well, I guess we're looking back to some of the terminology, the phrases, or even just the concepts and ideas from the traditions that we've come out of and talking about, are we rethinking some of those ideas? Maybe even using the same language to mean different things, or are we just flat out rejecting those ideas entirely? I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. I'm here with both Will and Stephanie. Say hi, guys. Hi, I'm Will. (laughs) Hello, this is Stephanie. So I'm excited. It's going to be the three of us today. It should be a good time. I guess I'll just start off with a question I did not prepare either of you for. Oh, good. What do you Sweet. What do you think of the topic? In general, I think it's important to identify the things that we reject or re- reclaim because I think going through the deconstructive process, it's easy to get stuck in a loop of just trying to reject everything. Okay. And I understand that that's not going to be everyone's experience or that some of the listeners may not be in a, in, in a space to consider the rejection of everything, yeah. even though I'm personally pretty comfortable with that. Um, well, it's more interesting. On that later, I found but... myself in a loop of reclaiming everything, yeah. like trying to make the old paradigm fit into the new because mm-hmm. I didn't want to lose anything. I just wanted to m- make all the words mean different things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think... So I think ultimately it's it's easy to throw the like the baby out with the bathwater. I see. Yeah. And that at least for me can pretty easily be done. <laughs> like I've got no problem checking that baby out. Um <laughs> but I I I want to respect where I've come from and want to yeah, want to respect that. So I think it's I think it's useful to like as a intellectual act as a embodied practice to try to reclaim some of the things that I don't necessarily agree with or just wish that they had been communicated differently. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah. I like to think of myself as a student of epistemology. I want to know why I believe what I believe, but my process of deconstruction has certainly been burn it all down. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then... I was interested in this topic because I'm at the point where I want to start reclaiming some things, but my list of what I'm still holding on to is very short. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Well, I'm so glad you both are here then because I feel like we're coming at this from some different angles Mm -hmm. and that's great. I love that a lot. So, okay. I have a few questions. They're very basic questions. Can you think of anything that you have either rejected or have attempted to reclaim from the tradition that you've been brought up in? Well, since my list is so short. <laughs> well, we have I have some thoughts of like some very specific examples that maybe we'll go through, but if you have something off the top of your head, absolutely go for it. Yeah, so I was... Um, thinking about this earlier today because it came up in a Facebook group conversation. And the two major things I'm hanging on to is God is love 
and love people. Okay, and you feel like that's a holdover from the tradition that you came out of? Yes. Interesting. Okay, right off the bat, I have Mm. so many questions. Ask them. Okay, (laughs) so under what circumstances were you told those things that previously they didn't sit right, and so you had to kind of tweak them to to mean something? Because I didn't experience. Okay, I see. You... You didn't necessarily tweak the meaning to mean anything different, but you took it at face value and said, wait a second, everything else that I've been told doesn't align with this. Right. So it looked like hypocrisy Mm. in Mm -hmm. the church when I'm hearing God is love, love God, love people, but I'm not as love is coming out and I'm coming out and I'm becoming affirming. That's not what I'm experiencing. Gotcha. Mm. But it's still something that I still hold to be true. Yeah. And to be worthwhile. But the way, even in my own journey, the way that I'm loving people Mm -hmm. is an evolving process Mm -hmm. because I thought I needed to love people a certain way. Sure. Into the kingdom, my old self. Yep. And now loving people where they are mm-hmm. and not bearing that burden of feeling like I have to change someone's mind. Gotcha. Okay. I have two questions based on that. Okay. And I'm going to say them both because I don't want to forget them. The first one is, what do you feel like it means to love God now? And the other one is, you mentioned the kingdom, like bringing them <laughs> into the kingdom. What do you do with the kingdom now what does that mean to you or is that a a concept that you've just completely rejected so what does it mean to love god first maybe that maybe that's unfair or how do you embody that practice of loving god because i think of god differently today right exactly i did then so the way the way that i love god is by loving people because i the way i see people as Everyone created in the image of God, everything bearing God's image. If I'm loving people, then I'm loving God. So, yeah, the way it plays out is different. Gotcha. Very cool. Hmm. All right. So now that second question, (laughs) this idea of the kingdom, Mm. you're bringing people, you're trying to, I mean, the vernacular was get them saved into the kingdom of, of heaven or whatever. What do you do with that now? What do I do with the kingdom today? Yeah, what do you do, even with that kind of language, or is there some sort of concept where that is continuing, or no, that's just like, no, It's It's similar to other things I've said on here, that my focus shifted. It's no longer future kingdom, it's here and now. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hmm. So... One further question, <laughs> because this is this is similar to my own experience. If you were to encounter someone talking about bringing people into the kingdom, could you at face value just say, yeah, I agree with that and just kind of know that I mean something different from what you mean? No. Okay. <laughs> no. And I would it would probably be a trigger. Mm. for me Mm -hmm. if someone is talking that way gotcha yeah Yeah. huh (laughs) i don't disagree i mean it has been forever since i've thought about the kingdom in general 
the kingdom. It's been, it's been a, it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's interesting that was that. I mean, because I started this process while I was still a pastor, I was very much trying to reclaim everything, yeah. right? And so. I asked that question of you, Stephanie, because that is exactly the type of interaction that I might have with someone. They're talking about the kingdom. And I know to toe the party line, I can agree with them. And I can, without feeling hypocritical, agree with them. But I also know that I mean something different from what they mean. And I would love to have that conversation that we mean something different when we say that that opportunity rarely if ever comes up mm-hmm. but i think that was kind of my circumstance so i guess we're thinking about it in a similar way but framing it a little different because you're trying to reclaim everything and just give a new meaning to it mm-hmm. and i'm <laughs> so rejecting this is, a lot yeah and just holding on to a couple of things that yeah, I guess I do think about them differently, mm-hmm. but the phrases themselves are still meaningful to me. Hmm. Like positively meaningful? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So if you were interacting with someone who might use a phrase like that, and you know they mean something different from what you mean. What would I say? Yeah. I would probably say I think about it differently today than I used to. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really simple. Why have I never thought of that? That's a good, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that would be a good practice to adopt. Without putting someone on the defensive. Right. And you, it's could, not, you could it's, easily say, yeah. oh man, I love that idea. I think I think about that a little differently than you do. Like, right. but right there you're like, we've got some common ground, at least in our language. We were talking about entirely different things, but (laughs) (laughs) let's let's at least start with something. And then you're kind of talking with people about like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate where I came from. And this is something that I've, I think I've had to learn just through the identity crisis that I had, that I can still appreciate my past Mm -hmm. without still believing the same way that I used to. Yeah, in mm. some way, it's because of your past that you've ended up where you are. It's right. brought you to where you are. Right. Which is probably an easier thing for some of us to say than others. Hmm. Yeah. Will, That's... what about you? Do you so, have anything that you've rejected or reclaimed? Uh Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got things in both categories. I've been, like, taking notes. Um just broadly speaking without breaking it down because i think that there's going to be times to get into this later later in the discussion Mm -hmm. broadly speaking i've rejected doctrines okay i've tried to reclaim uh behavior based on jesus's person Mm. okay if that makes sense uh Um, sure kind of yeah yeah unpack that a little bit okay so now i'm thinking about the kingdom because i literally haven't put any thought into that for like a year or so (laughs) that probably plays a role in in the reclamation but I feel like the rejecting doctrines is like, like pretty cut and simple. There's a lot of doctrines just not on board with anymore. Don't think that they're necessary. Sure. More on that to follow. <laughs> <laughs> but trying to reclaim practices and habits based off of Jesus's person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at Jesus's person in scripture is very different than listening to Jesus from the pulpit. 
or listening about the person of Jesus from the pulpit. Sure. And I don't fault pastors for doing this, but the takeaway, the way that like we're taught to preach, that was weird. I included myself in that group. Because you um, were at one point taught to preach. Exactly, because I was at one point taught to preach. Yeah. You pull from that specific unit of text. The $5 word there is the pericope. So the... Not heard several. that one before. Ooh, you haven't? No, I've oh, not. Oh, interesting. Okay, it's just yeah. it's just a short, a short, distinct section of scripture. Sometimes it's like a few, uh, sometimes it's a few sentences. Sometimes it's a few verses. Sometimes mm-hmm. it might be an entire chapter, but it's okay. usually brief. Um, sure. And you only got an hour on a Sunday morning. Yeah, an hour, <laughs> an hour to speak. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's actually that's a. Little I realize we're going to do the same thing, but right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but there's three of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can start and stop this conversation whenever you want. You just press pause and then you press play. Yeah. And there's no order sit. of service. Yeah, there. right. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> and realistically, pastors only get like 30 minutes now. Right, yeah. Unless you're one of those churches that go for two hours. Yeah. Which, it's, you know, if you're into that, that's that's cool. That's fine. Yeah, no, no tea, no shade on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think everybody should be like the Catholic church where you just get the like the 15 minute. The little bit, the, the just the, 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 yeah. the quick hit. Yeah, the, yep. The yeah. little <laughs> hit of Jesus, and then you're... <laughs> the little Jesus bump in a bar bathroom. <laughs> it keeps you going. Uh, I feel like it's hard to get your picture of Jesus just from church. And I think part of my process in trying to reclaim what Jesus looks like is trying to like line up like the biblical example of Jesus against non Well, not, not against, that's the wrong word, but with people outside of the church and this so this gets in sorry explain that you're trying to line it up with people outside the church yeah so i think that the kingdom it certainly is larger than the church itself okay so you're saying what the the bible if you're reading the bible the bible mentions this thing called the kingdom you're saying what the bible is talking about is larger than what we would call a church yeah okay or i guess to, to put like a more like gender neutral term on it the kingdom as uh, Christina Cleveland would r- refer to it. Yeah. I like. So I'm going to do my best to use that habit for the rest of this discussion. So, All right. So the kingdom is larger than the church. This has worked for me. I'll, I'll say that. This has worked for me. And that's an idea that I've reclaimed, is the idea of the, the kingdom. You don't have to belong to the church in order to be a part of the kingdom of God. Hmm because you exist. If there is such a thing, and if Jesus is for all people, then, and I can even try to defend this using Calvinist logic if you'd like, but I'm not. <laughs> I mean, but I, for I don't our want Calvinist to. listeners, <laughs> few <laughs> though they may be, <laughs> we have gotten emails. Yeah. Do, do, do you want me to get into Karl Barth's uh, universalism? I do like Karl Barth, actually. Okay. No, no, that's okay. probably it's, it's like it's for like another kind of episode. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it's like down the rabbit but hole. But I'm actually super so, interested in that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you look at philanthropic people in the world, and they clearly embody a lot of the, many of the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. This is going to touch on a more foundational piece of my of my thinking. I've become a little bit of a reductionist meaning that I think that we're not necessarily a soul, that our consciousness is born from atoms um, and, and born out of a cognitive process, a biological process. Okay. So that's a, that's a change in opinion uh, that 10 years ago I would have really hated, mm-hmm. meaning 
that if things like the fruits of the spirit, which in a church context get talked about as basically kind of like behavior modification tools, mm-hmm. but if those are the ruler by which our virtue is determined, then just looking at humans, that can't be limited to people that are quote unquote influenced by Jesus directly. Yeah. I Does that? I, no, absolutely. Because okay. even this is years ago, 10 years ago, I had friends who I said, you know, that person's not a quote unquote, they're not a Christian mm-hmm. and they are a much better Christian than a lot of Christians I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And I still, I mean, like I'm thinking of one person in particular who's just the kindest person I've ever met in my entire life and yeah, has really no interest in organized religion. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my good friends are not believers and they are certainly more compassionate than I am. Yeah. And that's kind of like, if there's one thing that I think is important to being a Christian, I I think it's the, it's the ability to, to be compassionate, uh, especially when it sucks. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. The, the litmus test I have for someone who I think is compassionate is so like the person I'm thinking of, I haven't, I've talked to them maybe two or three times in the last few years. Hmm. And I feel like if I was in trouble and I called them right now, they would come. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The way that I was received into the LGBTQ community hmm. when I started attending support groups was like that. I was so impressed with the way that community cares for one another. Mm-hmm. And it was... It, it far exceeded what I saw mm-hmm. in the church. Mm. And I got that compassion. I, yeah, I experienced that myself. Yeah. yeah. I, so I think ultimately, I think that kind of speaks to like the nature of belief. Um, a lot of our ideas are going to be formed by how we belong mm-hmm. as opposed to how we actually think through things. I think we inherit I, our ideas more so than we construct yeah. them. Yep which would be, I guess, another thing that I wrote down here for, for reclaimed. I've reclaimed epistemology. Um, okay, unpack that word. Uh, yeah, so I wrote it down because I, I wasn't going to until Stephanie mentioned it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, all yeah. right. So I should have st- mentioned it when you said <laughs> it. <laughs> Strictly speaking, epistemology is the study of how we know things, how we know what we know. I used to think how we knew what we know was whether or not the Bible said it which the idea of epistemology has been reclaimed. The foundation for that statement that I just said has been rejected, which is uh, biblical inerrancy. Um, we know things because the Bible said it. Yeah. You've rejected that. Yeah. But the yeah. idea of mm-hmm. epistemology, the process by which we come to know things. Has changed. Yeah. yeah. Would you agree that there was a lot of certainty attached to that former oh my God, yeah. way <laughs> of believing things, right? Yeah. That's why it was attractive. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. I miss that. Mm. Mm. I, well, I think I miss that. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's certainly comfortable yeah. to have answers. I've had way more fun with my life since I've not believed that. <laughs> but I definitely felt super secure whenever I felt certain about the things I believed. I definitely enjoy the curiosity yes. that I get to explore today yeah there's kind of two sides to that coin right of not knowing of oh my gosh i don't know anything could happen and oh 
my gosh, I don't know anything could happen. Like, yeah, which which side are you going to land on? Hmm. Stephanie, I'm curious how, because you use epistemology like a slightly different way. And why do you believe what you believe? That's what the oh, way yeah, I think okay. about yeah, epistemology. Yeah, Is yeah. that what you meant? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, my next question. Well, I, before I move on, Will, you good? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Okay, cool. Yeah, we don't want to get any further into what I think about epistemology. <laughs> <laughs> People will pause it in like 30 seconds and they'll be like maybe next I'm gonna episode be look, I'm, I'm going to be looking at the, at the <laughs> stats because I can tell where people pause and drop out and then we're like, it's just gonna, there's going to be a big drop where Will talks about epistemology <laughs> <laughs> will he just shut up about Kierkegaard <laughs> oh man no don't no but do for this episode um, okay so my next question has your lived experience always served as confirmation of your belief and then like because you were you inherited a certain set of beliefs and then you looked for confirmation for those beliefs in your lived experience and then did that at some point switch to say like no my lived experience comes first and I'm going to draw my beliefs from that because I feel like I certainly would have looked to my lived experience to confirm their tradition that I'd been handed. Whereas now I'm looking at my experience or even the experience of others, like nothing before was going to change my belief or what I'll say nothing before was going to change what I inherited, right? The systems. And I had to make my experience fit into the systems. Now I'm taking my experience and I'm saying, System's got to change because this is not mm. what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. I can't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about that. Maybe yeah. It just... I mean, it's, it's certainly given me a, a, a more solid feeling of my own autonomy to be able to give myself the space to either reject or reclaim something. Mm. That said, it did feel really good, like when I was more certain about things, um, back before this whole process began, to say I prayed for a parking space and I, I got a parking space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, had, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so much about, I, I used to see those things mm-hmm. more, thinking that God was orchestrating events in my life. And I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to reject the idea that events happened for a reason mm-hmm. okay because there are events that to me are experienced as more than coincidence hmm. but i'll say the way i f- experience life today i can't point to events that i would attribute to more than coincidence in the last two years so i'm not looking for things like that anymore Mm -hmm. does that make sense sure Mm -hmm. they happen or they probably happen if they happen great if they don't happen great Mm -hmm. it's a mystery and a mystic (laughs) (laughs) it's very fitting i'm just super curious about that because i i have kind of rejected the idea that things happen for a reason 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just super curious about that. Cause for a while I've just been on this like train of things happen. And then whatever happens afterwards is a, you know, is, is our best response to it. Um, I'll give an example. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would, I, I would, that would I'd be super helpful. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> um, after I met my husband, I'm going through some old things that belong to my grandparents. And one of them is a coat of arms. And my maiden name is Howell. So it's a Howell coat of arms. And it's in a frame. And I open it up. And in the back, there's this label. I don't know why this is there. There's a label in there from Oil of Peppermint. Very antique looking mm -hmm. label. And it's made in Lyons, New York. Lyons is, of course, your married name. And Lyons is my, ma yeah, my married name. Yeah. Hmm. So that, to me, is more than coincidence. Hmm. And just I took it as an affirmation that I'm with the person I'm supposed to be with. Hmm. And so far, so good. And 30 years this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the same time, do you feel a need to understand the exact mechanics by which... That label landed there? So, yeah, specifically, like, I'm talking about, like, do you need to understand how God controls circumstances to allow that to happen? Or are you just like, no, it's a mystery. It's a cool thing. And I, oh. it meant something to me. I'm okay with the mystery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even if it was, even if I knew the exact circumstances as to how it landed there, it still plays into the mystery. Mm. Cool. That's, that's great. That's great. I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't, you know, I, I don't know yeah. why those things happen to some people and, don't happen to other people. Yeah. And yeah. that's a part of the mystery too, I guess. I don't know. It yeah. do I don't know what it means. Yeah. Hmm. It, but if it means something to you, that's all it ever needs to mean. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. You guys ready? Next. Yeah. Lightning round. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go through some ideas or some concepts or even just some words and reject or reclaim. Mm, okay. I say okay. lightning round, but if we want to stop and talk about something, that's that's totally fine as well. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Sin. Uh, it's got to fit in both worlds, um, mm -hmm. which I think ultimately means that it's been uh, reclaimed. But both worlds. What do you mean? So when I wrote my when I wrote my list, mm -hmm. and I'm showing Ben my list. It you starts are, with I, sin. Oh it's, yeah, right there at the top. It's, it's right in the middle of both. Oh, I see that. Yeah. Um, it is both between reject and reclaim. Yeah, which I think I think categorically means that it's reclaimed. Okay. Because I've rejected sin as I thought of it growing up. Mm -hmm. And I I really, really, really dislike the term simply because it's uh, polarizing for people. Like, yeah. uh, I put everything through a filter of, can I talk to somebody who doesn't care about religion yeah. uh, in this way? So if there's language that is a roadblock for that, I just try to remove that usually. And so I don't like the, I don't like the term sin, but I've come to think of sin in a much more uh, systematic way, okay. rather than like an individual rebellion, which is how I would have seen it growing up. Mm -hmm. That sin is rebellion against God, mm -hmm. 
and only an individual can rebel against God. But once you start thinking about like how literally how our brains develop, uh, mental illnesses uh, can be passed down um, mm-hmm. hereditarily. <laughs> uh, we're born into systems of oppression, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. What you get is, and the basic belief that I have that our beliefs are inherited rather than formed yeah. by like by circumstance or in, yeah, formed by circumstance, which I I would consider to be basically inherited. Mm-hmm. Then you wind up with a bunch of individuals who are just confused and don't necessarily know that they're rebelling against like some God ordained order. And I just don't want to say that that's sinful Mm. because I have such a hard time faulting people for things that they are literally just ignorant of. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I have two thoughts about that. The first one is the story in the Bible of Jesus getting baptized. He goes to John the Baptist and John the Baptist says, when he sees Jesus, he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and sin is singular. Mm-hmm. Talking about mm-hmm. one thing. And mm-hmm. when you talk about a system that we're born into, yeah, I'm like, Ooh, that's interesting. I think that's fascinating. The other thing I want to say about that is I heard someone, uh, mm a pastor friend once said to me, Bible words for Bible things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sin very much feels like a Bible word for a Bible thing yeah. that I might talk with someone. Like I might use that word with someone who wants to talk about a Bible, like something around the Bible. But to your point, like someone who has no interest or basis or reference for a religious like establishment conversation yeah. Why would you use the word sin? Right. Yeah. 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 But the but Why? the concept. Well, even like what you said that you're redefining the entire concept. Yeah. Um it's not necessarily individual wrongdoing. Yeah. To kind of I understand that this is very much making it not a lightning round. Um but very very <laughs> Yeah, no, quicker, this is probably the worst lightning round in the history of lightning rounds. Uh we have yet to even look at the lightning <laughs> continuing to strike yeah, yeah, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um my so my thinking of that changed when I when I read uh, the Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne. This is back in college, mm-hmm. um, which is where I silently began, so like almost subconsciously, like rejecting a lot of the things that I was also learning. Um, Shane Claiborne shares the story of Timothy McVeigh, mm-hmm. committed terrible evil, committed terrible sin, as I would have as I would have seen at the time. What he talks about, it almost feels wrong to say, but I think that part of being graceful and, and following, trying to follow Jesus in that is being almost scandalous with the giving of grace. And his point is that Timothy McVeigh, there's obviously there's obviously things that are that were wrong with Timothy McVeigh, and he's not condoning anything that he said. But with Timothy McVeigh as a human, he was professionally trained in the military to kill. And he, when he returned home, he was given no help for dealing with his trauma. And he, in turn could not cope with the, with the world basically turned his mind to like evil things to kind of put some weird biblical language on it killed innocent people and then was punished by the institution that taught him to kill by killing him and that is how i began to think of sin systemically it was oh my god the bastion of morality that we considered the government <laughs> <laughs> And specifically at that time in my life, the idea of 
retributive justice mm-hmm. is how we treat wrongdoing. We've talked a little bit about retributive justice before, this idea that basically the punishment fits the crime. Yes, yeah. Like in order for there to be justice, they're against a wrong, there has to be wrong done in return in mm-hmm. equal measure. Yep. Yeah, it's basically like like an eye for an eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, by the way, Jesus tells us specifically to reject. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> just small that point. out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> small point. May or may not be relevant. We'll let you decide. Um, yeah. I, that that is that is where I begin thinking of sin as something that is much that is much bigger than just the actions of an individual. Yeah, I don't like the the judgment that goes along with sin, mm-hmm. and yes. then convincing someone that they're bad in mm-hmm. order to save them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've rejected that notion of sin when I was talking to early on. When I'm deconstructing and I'm talking to God about this, this is one of those things where I'm like, okay, we need to start over. (laughs) I love that. You say you're deconstructing and you're talking to God about it. Right. That's great. (laughs) Because, yeah, he was there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No argument for me. Well, um, and I came to understand sin more as a disconnect from God. Hmm not as something that we do to rebel against God. I had a different pastor friend tell me one time this idea of, so again, another Bible story, Jesus on the cross, he's dying. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the pastor friend I was talking to, he was like, oh man, what if in that moment, that's the moment Jesus takes on the sin of humanity and believes the lie that we're separated from God. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like God, you know, never left Jesus. Like he was never forsaken, but he believed the lie and that's mm-hmm. the sin. Mm. Like you said, that's the, it's the disconnect. It's the disconnect. Fascinating. Mm. Or it's mm. not, it's not even a real disconnect. It's the belief. It's believing the, in disconnect. the disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cool. All right. Uh, that concludes lightning <laughs> round number one. <laughs> number two. All right. <laughs> okay. The idea of heaven and hell. Reject or reclaim? Ooh, I've outright rejected it. Okay. Yeah. Reject. Reject. Yeah. Both. Okay. I um, I I tend to lean towards reclaim. That those are both states of existence that can be achieved here on earth. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can see that. Um, yeah. And so if someone was to talk to me about that, again, probably in a completely different context than I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Stephanie, for that wonderful prompt. I think that, that's amazing. I probably like I think differently than you do about that. <laughs> I believe that's something that we create here, not. Yeah. Wait yeah. for later. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board with that. We might very well end this episode with me just saying, I actually have reclaimed everything and thought about it differently, but... Um, I mean, I, I, like, what a cool the, thing to say. I've actually reclaimed everything. That would be... That sounds pretty great. That sounds great. Um, I'm not sure how how much I believe it at the moment. No, we'll have no, to keep but, going through the topics. Let's see where that, these lightning just rounds Just on the end. face of it, I, yeah. that seems like a phrase I want to embody. Sure. Yeah. 
Well, so the reason the Depends. reason I say that I'd, I'm not going to jump too quickly on that bandwagon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. So, you, I mean, you're you're right. Kind of. It's actually, just like on the surface. I want to. Yeah, you're right. I'm thinking about it. So. Let's have it out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think so, I actually, so, when you say reclaim, <laughs> I actually want to say redeem. Redeem. Yeah. Um, Which is potentially a different thing. So, so in the last, what, three minutes, I've begun to, I've begun to rethink my outright rejection of that. Mm-hmm. And that is an outright rejection of what I thought it was. Um which mm-hmm. I suppose is inherent with anything that I have come to reclaim. Right. Yeah. You're it's, rejecting the initial definition or construct that you were given yeah and you're you're turning the jewel yep you're refracting mm. the light differently this is something different yep and that's so that's act to, to tie it into like what changed my mind on a lot of things so the turning the jewel is like an interpretive so if you shine a light through a jewel mm-hmm. right it's going to shine the, that light is going to refract differently and give you different pictures depending on which face Right. is facing the the light and then it's going to project different images right. elsewhere. And you twist it just and a little bit, it's going to refract the light entirely yeah. differently. Yeah. And that's a that's like a Hebrew idea mm-hmm. on how to interpret the Bible, right. which mm-hmm. I had never heard of until I read Surprised by Hope by yep. uh by N.T. Wright, of which Heaven and Hell sits at the very center of that book. I had to read I had to read it for a class mm-hmm. and I I grew up terrified of the idea of heaven. Um, once I had it finally explained to me by a youth leader, which was we're gonna be we're gonna be with God all the time, and you know I I think we're just gonna be like singing praises and feeling fulfilled all the time. And I was like, God, that sounds so awful. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so fucking boring. <laughs> How do I get out of this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me the heroin right now. I want to go to hell. Uh, <laughs> Anything, anything to get me out of that, because um, that's what I, see, I thought I would have see, gotten that's... you into hell at the time was doing heroin. Right, right. Um, so that's heaven. Tell me again about so... hell. <laughs> Remind me. Again. What's the other choice? So, <laughs> um, that so reading reading that book and then literally rethinking heaven and hell got me rethinking just about everything else, and mm. because that book. Well, it, it taught me that the Bible it can be interpreted, that you can come at it from a certain angle and interpret it in certain ways. So that that was kind of the first thing that I maybe reclaimed, and, and that the idea of heaven being something that we bring to earth rather than a place that we go to once we die, mm-hmm. that was a much more attractive idea to me. Yeah. Um, I say that I've rejected that because I don't really... I think that that's like an important idea to try to make the world as good of a place as possible for as many, for as many people, well, for all people. Mm-hmm. And heaven's just kind of fallen out of my vernacular in general. Sure. But that, so that's why I want that reclaimed. But I'm super curious as to like why you aren't like, aren't, aren't necessarily like willing to go there. This is what I meant. Like when we have it out, like we're going to like, we're going to have, spark. okay. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I'm not. Convince me that, that my reclamation well, is wrong. I wanna... Oh, convince you yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. wrong? <laughs> yeah. Or is it different than like what you're what you're looking for? No pressure. I'm trying to spice it up. Well, I don't think we're. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I don't think we're in that different of a place. I mm-hmm. think the the idea though of reclaiming everything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to jump on that bandwagon. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the idea of making heaven here, mm-hmm. or even that whether you're trapped in a bad system. 
that you don't have control over. And you don't have the ability to get out of it. Or you're making choices that are bringing harm to yourself or others. Mm -hmm. I think that's more of a accurate description of hell than Mm -hmm. what might happen after you die. Mm -hmm. Continuing with the worst lightning round in the history of existence, the fear of God. The idea of the fear of God. All right. I've got something to say about this. Bring it on. I think that that phrase is used as a weapon along with the Bible mm-hmm. and Jesus. And I it's interesting when I was reading through some of the comments on a similar question today about rejecting, reclaiming, how a lot of people, and I think you expressed this, Will, are still hanging on to Jesus, the man, and what he represents and his teachings. But I have a harder time hanging on to that. And I think it's just because I feel like Jesus was weaponized against me when my beliefs were changing. And God as a father, as a parent, as a good parent, is something I'm more comfortable holding on to. Hmm. I actually don't have many thoughts about this. I think I just actually, I think I actually do truthfully outright reject that one because I cannot think of any attempt I've ever made to reclaim it. Also, my imagination is so limited right now with that phrase that I can't think of a good way to reclaim it. Like, it's not like, I know that there's an idea there and I'm just not there yet and I just think about it and I'll get there. That's not, that's not even a thing. There's that's, not a lot of good in that phrase. Yeah. I, well, it's interesting. Well, I'm, go ahead. If, if that's something that you've reclaimed, I'd be interested to hear about that. Mm. <laughs> no, not particular. It's just not an idea I encounter very much anymore. If I was yeah. challenged to reclaim it, I feel like I probably could, thanks to Richard Rohr, <laughs> who reclaims it like straight up in, mm. I believe it's Immortal Diamond, his book Immortal Diamond. Interesting. Uh, shout out to my own little patron-only podcast, Book Darts, because I think it actually comes up in one of the... <laughs> one of the episodes that is either out or about to be out. So how does he frame he frames the fear of God? The fear of God as, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to give it my best shot. I should probably just go out to my car and get the book, <laughs> but I'm going to give it my best shot. He frames it as the fear of not loving is basically what he says. I, I know he uses different words for that, but that's mm. kind of what it boils down to. And again, he probably, he's Richard Rohr. He probably does a much better job of, of saying that. But it kind of boils down to the fear of not acting in a way that is the most loving. Eh. Hmm. Doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. Like I want it to. Yeah. It, um, yeah, I want it to, but I have kind of for a while just thought if you're fearful of a thing, uh, then you either directly encounter that thing or there's a good reason why you're afraid of it and you can just leave it alone. Gotcha. I've also heard it just said of like, it's just like an awe and respect kind of a thing. I mean like yeah, it's, <laughs> staring into the cosmos and being like that's the feeling small. Idea. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean like, staring I up like at I the sky at night. Right, yeah. yeah. I don't feel like I have to reclaim this one, but I guess if challenged, I feel like I could. Yeah. But again, I don't feel like I need to. 
there's like a so i was trying to think of like a third category for things mm-hmm. um so like reject and reclaim and then they're like the word i came up with was recycled because <laughs> okay not necessarily i'm going to reuse it but it like it literally in the act of discarding my aluminum right like you you toss it you mm-hmm. get rid of it because you don't care about it anymore mm. um i think that might be something that i actually like recycle or or reject like it's just not like you said it's just not something i've encountered anymore it's not it has literally not had any effect in my life mm-hmm. and it just and i feel like it just doesn't matter to me personally um yeah for a while in my life it mattered a lot yeah no further I, comments you're on <laughs> i don't know that i've ever felt afraid of god and i'm thankful <laughs> that that was never a part of my hmm. experience i am too I'm really glad for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the next one, I've just abandoned. This is no longer a lightning round. Let's just be honest. <laughs> the wrath of God. I'll go first, actually. So I've heard this. Again, this is probably another one that I've not encountered a place where I felt like I need to reclaim it. Nevertheless, I've heard it reclaimed as simply the natural consequences of anyone not acting in love. It's just the natural consequences that would befall us. Biblical writers would call that the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. The phrase itself, Carrie, is like, feels so triggering. Yeah. Well, well I think yeah. even to your point, Stephanie, earlier, it's probably a phrase, not probably, it is absolutely a phrase that has been weaponized. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like... It's Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And it's... You know, I think about the annihilation that happened of people groups Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament, wrath of God. And (laughs) I I attribute that annihilation more to man than I do to God. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of reject... The idea of God as wrathful. Um, Andy said something in in an episode, a couple, mm. of, yeah, a little while yeah, ago, where he's like, the, angry. Uh, "Yeah, I was in the uh, gosh, I can't remember it. The it what I no what longer I believe yeah. about God." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought out of everybody, for him to hold on to yeah. uh, anger being an important, like an important emotional reaction. Mm. Um, I was most surprised that it was him that, yeah. that said that. Yeah. And I was like, that actually got me second, like second guessing that. Or, Same. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He said that. And the, I was like, oh, maybe. Because I think, because I had said, for anyone listening, the, <laughs> that episode was actually put together out of, if you listen to it, that was out of order. I went first and I yeah. said, I don't believe God is angry. And he challenged that. Yeah. Same with you, Will. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. He, um, he got me second guessing that. Yeah. So, yeah. He said, I, he said, God is no longer vengeful. Yes. Which, so when I think of the, the phrase wrath of God, um, vengeful is kind of the way that I was thinking about that. Sure. Like it, it was, it, it was purely yeah, out of revenge or sometimes even malice because I only associated the phrase with when Jesus died, um, really from, it's not, not a hymn from, uh, but, oh gosh, there's a, a song, um, the wrath of God was satisfied. What's the, in Christ alone. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is, it's modern hymn. 
Yeah. It's a Getty hymn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I just knew that the song was written in the last like 50 years. Yeah, no. Um, so Gettys wrote that. Okay. And so that's the most prominent use of the phrase that, that I recall. Um, and then like like the Old Testament actions, which I used to think just having grown up and heard Bible stories, thought that that's God declared uh, genocide on the the Canaanites, the Canaanites, and other people groups um, declared war on on people that were against His uh, mission, which now I think is uh, uh, the Hebrews telling them this selves a story about their God in a Babylonian world <laughs> to make themselves feel better about their occupation. Hmm. Um, yeah, early which, on in my. I would say pre-deconstruction, I asked the question, does God love Egyptians? Because it does not it seem like it. It doesn't look like it, yeah. <laughs> what does he have against that Nile? It's, yeah, yeah. It's, turns out the pyramid is his least favorite shape. <laughs> okay, one what, last one. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, well, what's the next one? Yeah. Okay, so one last one. It's actually two words, but they kind of go together. Um salvation and atonement reject the idea of salvation or reclaim well i do have substitutionary atonement on my list uh to reject Mm. get it out of there get it out same yeah same but it's interesting i reject that in a process of wanting to reclaim, or at least initially, I rejected it in a process of wanting to reclaim it. Again, probably in the context that I was in as a pastor, we're all about getting people, quote unquote, saved. Like, and so I had to reframe that as, a, as something that worked for me. Hmm. There's ways to do it. I think there are some really interesting atonement theories that, like, anthropologically, speak to something about humanity I think that are fascinating um, specifically the work of Rene Girard but I guess I have two points Bible words for Bible things and I've not really encountered this as a thing I suppose I could defend it to someone if I needed to but I've not really come across an instance where I needed to mm-hmm. I don't really have conversations with church people anymore is basically what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> Just realizing right I now. I wonder why. That's interesting. Yeah, I, they don't really have conversations with me. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> salvation, atonement, yeah. reject, reclaim. Salvation. What about that word salvation? What is that? I don't know what to do with that one right now. I don't. I don't either. Salvation always meant something as like a point of arrival. And I don't think that there's points that we arrive. Yeah. Um, that is super important. Yeah. I never thought of so, it that way, but you're absolutely right. So, yeah, so I'm like trying to like think through of like a more gentle way of thinking about it, which is situating it in like a salvific process mm-hmm. by which we become more like Jesus. Um, and I've heard theologians speak that way. Yeah. That salvation is certainly a process. Mm-hmm. Even but, reference the Bible and talk about working out your salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. But I still have a hard time using the word salvation even in a root form because it seems to imply a point of arrival. 
Also, when when you no longer believe that your actions on earth dictate whether or not you go to a heaven or a hell, um, and you're basically an annihilationist, <laughs> then like salvation just suddenly like loses a lot of its emotional value. Right. Because the first so, question, if you're going to say salvation is if you're saved, you're saved from what? Right, yeah. And if you're not, like, saved from heaven and hell, then it's, it's like, like, whoa, okay, now we're really redefining the whole paradigm. Right, exactly, exactly. So. I guess that's I, why we don't know what to do with it, right? Yeah. Hmm. Um, Does atone- not apply. <laughs> <laughs> atonement, I guess I, like, I, I substitutionary atonement, honestly, fuck that, like, not not about <laughs> it. It doesn't, It it I can't make sense of it. The idea of atonement in general, I'm okay with. I like the idea of the reunification of man and God. Like, I think I think that that's great. That's yep. not something that I think about, and nor does it really have. Like, it's 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 literally just a fun thought experiment for me. Sure. Like, it does not necessarily inform whether or not I'm going to try to be loving towards somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, I think. Yeah, I think I'm actually probably okay with saying like either like reject or like even like recycle, like discard the idea simply because I have such a hard time playing with the language of salvation that I'm not exactly sure that I can say that I reclaim it because like just the term in general, I'm just not a, just not a fan of. Yeah. What about Um, framing it in more of a like kinsman redeemer kind of way? hmm. There's a couple different, can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So I'm thinking of the story of Ruth. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And the way she was basically grafted into the line of Jesus there, mm-hmm. the Davidic line of Jesus. And that redeeming process, I think, is still something valuable. Hmm. That idea to me is so closely tied with where we started this idea of the kingdom. Right, because what you would be grafted into is the kingdom of God. So, where do you? What are you grafted into as you're as you're thinking that? Maybe it is that the kingdom of God, and then as we talked about earlier, kind of rethinking what that means. Mm. Hmm. That's a. I don't have a good answer for that because. When I think about those biblical stories, there are people on the outside and people on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't like to think in those terms sure. mm-hmm. of exclusion yeah. and right. inclusion. Well, it's interesting. Even the story of Ruth, though, is about someone who was excluded being included. Right. Right? Yeah. So maybe it's, a, yeah, maybe redeeming means that we really just all belong. It's us mm. coming to the realization that those who we think are excluded are actually included. Right. So what if becoming LGBTQ affirming <sighs> is an act of redemption for us? Well, I think Expand on that a little bit. How is because it a reaction? Because we're coming to a realization that we were wrong. That we held a position that was damaging. Right? Who's on the outside in this picture? Well, we thought we, it was them. We thought it was them. But, but it, it was tur- actually us. Yeah. Well, whether or not we were on because the outside. Because we're the, fair, we, the Pharisees. Right. It turns out that 
it just turns out that no one was on the outside where we <laughs> right. thought yeah. someone was the line turns disappears out no one was on the outside yeah because i i think about that it was it's like the near so just sticking with this example um you're taught to think that the lgbtq community is formed of people who are exclusively estranged from themselves and that we somehow understand ourselves mm. in such a way that makes the makes Jesus and salvation accessible for a limited group of people mm-hmm. with secret knowledge, which is kind of Nazism. Sure. Which is actually exactly Gnosticism. Um, yeah. It's, we should then, do an episode on Gnosticism so- sometime because it's an actual like early church said it was heresy and it's very much like what the current evangelical church is. I'm down with that. <laughs> I'm down with that. Um, but like the, my own, my, so my own, my own process from that was, or I guess with that topic is discovering that, Ooh, it wasn't, it wasn't other people that were uncomfortable with themselves. It was, it, it was me. Yeah. Yeah. I was the one that couldn't deal with otherness in their life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to totally agree with you, Stephanie. In the example that I said, you're right. It wasn't them that were on the outside. It was us that were on the outside. Mm. And then coming to the realization that no one is actually on the outside. Mm-hmm. Again, right. it's this, I thought we were separated. It turns out we're not. Yeah, We were actually not separated the entire time. Mm-hmm. We were just afraid of something. Yeah. Yep. I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm actually okay with uh, with an act or a process of salvation being the prolonged and ever developing process of becoming less and less afraid of yourself. Mm. Um, that's a beautiful picture. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's um, in one of the early episodes. Andy quoted Rumi and said. Yeah, yeah, the Sufi mystic Rumi and said, I searched for God and found only myself. I searched for myself and found God. Mm -hmm. So that process of salvation, of atonement, of becoming one, of growing closer to God Mm -hmm. is at the same time becoming more and more your true self. Yep. Less fearful. Thanks for listening to another episode. And sorry about the break, but uh, 2020 is now behind us. It's a new year, and we've got lots of content recorded that we can't wait to share. So stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. I've also got a lot planned for our long-suffering patrons. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave a five-star review and check out the website. If you want to support the work that we do, you can check out the Patreon. And if you want to chat with us directly, you can always shoot us an email at hosts at Lonely Mountain Mystics. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Every time I hear people someone are, say they're like, like, this guy does cocaine, I don't do cocaine. <laughs> Every time I hear the, someone use the phrase a hit, I think of Arrested Development. Hey, brother. <laughs> Can I get a hit of that juice box? (laughs) (laughs) This party has unlimited juice. (laughs) He's slamming the piano. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, but I digress.